Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thankful to be with you today, Abundant Life. Amen. It's always an honor to be with you. My very first place to preach the word when I began evangelizing. Thank you for enduring that. And... (laughs) And thank you for coming back. Amen. Amen. Thankful for our kids and the leaders that that teach them the word. Amen. A strong generation coming up. Can we just sing that song again? I, I love that chorus. You are holy. Did you sing it with me? Holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? Yes, Lord. Worthy is a lamb. Hallelujah. Worthy is a lamb. You are holy. One more time. You're holy. Thank you, Lord. Are you Lord God Almighty? And worthy is a lamb, worthy is a lamb, amen. Amen, we worship you, Lord. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. The Lord has been downloading so, so much into my brain about faith. And I want, would like to speak to you about faith this morning. Romans chapter 8. A few weeks back, I was traveling to Brownsville, Texas. It's it's on the border of Mexico, and I was traveling to uh, speak at a youth a youth conference, I guess. And the Lord spoke to me clearly and said that what, what I have sent, the devil wants to destroy. He desires to kill it. But I am with you, and the devil will not win. He will not win. I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. Amen. I want to talk to us about faith this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba. Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. We don't like that part. But in order to become heirs, we have to suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Amen. We have an inheritance, folks. We have an inheritance that we did not deserve. We are heirs of the promise. And finally, I'll just turn quickly to Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. Jesus is speaking here. Matthew 19, verse 29. Jesus said, everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Amen. We have an inheritance, folks, that we are looking to. Amen. And the only way to obtain it is to live by faith. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we're seated. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for your spirit that we feel here today. 
God, your anointing that destroys the yoke is here. I believe that you want to fill somebody with your spirit today, God. Not just one or two, but you want to fill all, all who have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is your plan. That is your will for them today. If they've not been baptized in the wonderful saving name of Jesus Christ, I believe it is your will, God, that all are baptized under that only saving name of Jesus. God, I pray as the word goes forth that it would find good ground, that, you would, that, that would, it would plant and it would grow and it would bloom into something beautiful Lord we put our faith and trust in you everybody say in Jesus name amen you can be seated I feel convicted in my spirit today if only I could remember that without God's grace I'm absolutely nothing if only that I, I could remind myself that I am only here by the grace of God. You are only here because God had mercy upon you. How far could a broken spirit and a contrite heart take me? Well, the scripture said in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is nigh unto those that are of a broken spirit and saveth such which be of a contrite heart. God is close to those who are broken. And I'm thankful that although I was broken, that God picked me up and he said, I can do something with that. I, can, I, I love broken things because I, I love putting things back together. How far would a broken spirit and a contrite heart take me? Well, it'd take me right into the presence of God. It's where I want to be. And if I could only remember that I, I, I can't do this by myself, that I don't have uh, uh, the ability to function without the grace of God, that I don't have intellect uh, that, that will save me from my brokenness and my sin. I don't have enough money in the bank that will uh, rescue me and save me and give me a heavenly home. I don't have anything that would obtain an inheritance. It's only by the grace of God. Paul tells his conversion story. He was, he was on the road to Damascus. His name was Saul. And in Acts chapter 26, verse 16, he's telling the brethren of, of his conversion story. He sa uh, God said, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. Here's why. To open up their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Lest I forget, God saved me while I was doing my own thing. While I was wrecking havoc of his church, while I was living a life of complete nonsense, God saved me. And he saved you from that too. I don't care if you were filled with the Holy Ghost at two years old. Hear me, God saved you too from a life of sin and a life of lust and death and destruction, a life of misery and a life of failure. God saved you from a life of sleepless nights. He saved some of you from pornography and filth. He saved you from alcohol and drugs. And the list goes on and on. He saved you from selfish desires and pride and arrogance. The list goes on and on of all that God has saved us and, and rescued us from. It's our testimony, whether we realize it or not, that we are saved by the grace of God and given an inheritance that we did not deserve. We did nothing to deserve it, but oh, thankful for the grace of God. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? In Psalm 136, the psalmist begins to give God praise. He said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords. I can't stop giving thanks. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters and he begins to talk about creation and all that God has done. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. To him 
that made great lights. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. And then he begins to talk about how God rescued and delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians. He said in verse 9, to him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them. For his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. Why? For his, do you see a theme here? Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. To him which led his people uh, through the, the midst of the Red Sea. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. And he begins to talk about how Pharaoh and the Egyptian army were overthrown in the Red Sea. And how he, he smote great kings and slew famous kings and, and gave their land for an heritage. Verse 21, do you have that? It says, gave their land for an heritage. Why? Simply because his mercy endureth forever. It's not because they did anything special. I wasn't next in line to the throne. I don't have a last name. I don't, in fact, Zerpoli is my last name. That's a pretty bad last name. I mean, I I wouldn't pick somebody with a last name Zerpoli, would you? I didn't have it coming to me. It wasn't my right. I wasn't next in line to the throne. God didn't pick me out of the crowd because I was righteous, but quite the contrary. Some may have been searching for God, but most of us were probably searching for a way to run from God. And nevertheless, he found us. He shined his light upon us. I'm no better than anybody else because I received the Holy Ghost before I hit my teenage years. God knew that he had to save me then if he wanted a chance at adulthood. You know, some of us just are so stubborn that we won't allow God to talk to us. And so God knew he had to save me as a young person. Amen. And just like the Apostle Paul I was saved from a life of sin, and I didn't deserve it. It was almost as if I stumbled upon a pearl of great price. You see, we had to have faith in order to give our lives over to God in an altar of repentance. We had to completely trust God. Do you remember that day? You lifted up your hands at an altar and asked God to forgive you of your sin. Do you remember that day when you were baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and filled with his spirit? Faith was what you had. Faith was all that you had, and faith proved to be enough. But somewhere along the way, I'm afraid that uh, if you're like me, you become a little bit too comfortable in your own skin, and, and, and you, you, you become a little bit too comfortable with your own strength and your own know-how. Become a little bit too familiar with the presence of God because after all, I mean, you come, you come to church every week, you know? And so you just know what's going to happen. We're going to sing maybe three or four songs and we're going to do the announcements and then, and then we're going to have a little Bible study and then we're just all going to go home and continue to live the way we've always lived. It's as if now the attitude is, I, I've got this. I know how to do this. But Paul said, oh foolish Galatians, you started in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Galatians chapter three, verse three. It's impossible. You see, when we're born again, it's a fresh start. It's a brand new life. We're no longer our own, but we have the identity of Jesus Christ. He picked us out of the crowd and filled us with his spirit. And we're no longer our own. This spiritual life must be spirit led. It cannot be led by the flesh. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. He's not having any interaction with those who are ungodly. But the scripture said his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Your position matters. Where you're at and what you're doing and what you're focusing on and what you give your attention to matters. And his delight is in the law of the Lord, but and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And the scripture said, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. I want to prosper. 
He said, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. This spirit life must be spirit led. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 23 and 24. Can God talk to me while I'm in my flesh? Sure. Can God use me in my carnality? Absolutely. He used Pharaoh. He used Judas. He used a donkey. That doesn't mean they were saved. And I can be used of God sitting on a pew. God will use anybody or anything to accomplish his ultimate purpose, namely that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. You know, there's a big difference between should and shall. Many people take that scripture as it's, it's already ordained of God. It's already de determined that, that he died so that I could live and, and that all should come to everlasting life, but should depends on me. Shall is a promise from God, but should depends on me. That all should come to everlasting life. Yes, I should come to everlasting life, but that's completely on me, whether or not I want to receive the grace of God, whether or not I want to obtain this inheritance by faith. It's really up to me. He's already started the work. It's just up to me whether or not I want it to be performed in my life. And I can be used of God sitting on a pew, but that doesn't mean I'm any more saved than the man on the moon. Don't kid yourself this morning. You can be used of God coming to church and clapping your hands and singing the songs and singing in the choir and teaching a Bible study, even preaching behind this pulpit. I've seen throughout the years, and so have you, many stand behind a pulpit, many sing in the choir, and that have seemed to drift and fall away. But I haven't seen too many prayer warriors backslide. It's really difficult to have a prayer life and a walk with God and backslide. Uh, it's hard to have a good relationship with God and backslide. Uh, he, he said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Oh, those are pretty strong words, God. You hate Esau? I mean, that's pretty strong. That's pretty stout. But it was because Esau despised his inheritance. And he cashed in for a bowl of beans. Esau didn't care anything about his inheritance. He was willing to trade it for a little temporary relief, a little momentary satisfaction, and it sounds crazy. And we like to give Esau a hard time about trading his inheritance for a bowl of beans, but what about me? What about when I'm unwilling to wait on God in his perfect timing? What about me? What about when I trade God's timing for my deadline? It has to happen right now. God must move right now. And because I don't see him moving, well, I'm just going to take the reins. I'm going to take control. What about when I act out because I'm not getting my way, because my prayers aren't being answered the way I need them to be answered, because life isn't going exactly the way I expected it to go. What about when I get angry and become bitter and hardened towards God because I don't feel his spirit and I don't feel like things are going the way they should go? When I choose to get into a relationship that really it's okay, it's decent, you know, but I, I'm just lonely. I just don't want to be lonely anymore. You know, it's, it's God's will that I'm not lonely. <laughs> and we justify these things in our conversations and, and even talking to people. We, 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 we say this is the will of God. And, and, and maybe if I say it long enough, maybe it's true. <laughs> but be careful what you ask God for. God may let you have exactly what your heart desires, not because he desires it for you, but because you desire it so much you can't think about him or his kingdom or anything else. And we say, God gave me this. Did God give me this? He may have allowed you to have it. God gave me this job. God gave me this house. God gave me this new toy because he wanted to bless me. Really? Did God? Indeed? Honey, anything that puts a stumbling block in the path 
on my way to heaven is not a blessing from God. The Bible said it rains on the just and the unjust. God has set up a system that rains on the just and the unjust. It just happens. That, that's just a system that he put in place. It doesn't mean that the smile of God is upon your life. It doesn't mean the favor of God is upon my life. But anything that distracts my attention away from God and his ultimate purpose and his will in my life is not a blessing from God. It is a curse. God doesn't care about my comfort. Oh, I hate to, to burst some theological bubbles here today, but God is not concerned one ounce about my comfort level. God is not, he does not exist to serve me and my entertainment and my pleasure. I'm sorry, the prosperity gospel thing is not, it's not in the Bible. God, it, I, God does not exist to serve me and my needs, my wants. You think he's concerned about the relationship of my dreams or or how much money I want to make when there's a harvest of souls out there that's perishing because there aren't enough workers to work the field? Do you think God's number one concern is, oh, I've got to get him what he wants? No, no, no. The, the scripture said, Philippians 4:19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Everything that you need, he will, he, he will supply. But the scripture doesn't say anything about my desires and my wants and my satisfactions and my comfort level. no. We can obtain an inheritance, folks, if so be that we suffer with him. We're going to go through some things that we don't like. We're going to go through some things that we don't understand, but that's what faith is. I'm going to keep hanging on even when I don't understand, God. I'm going to keep hanging on through cancers and through sicknesses and through deaths, God, because even when I don't understand, I realize that I'm not God, but you're God. I don't have the answers, but you do. You have the controls, God. You see the end from the beginning. That's what faith is, and that's how we're going to obtain our inheritance is by faith. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So how do we obtain this inheritance? How can, how can God trust me with the inheritance that he's given me? A life of faith is proven through living a life of repentance. A life of faith is proven through living a life of repentance. Pastor read it this morning, uh, right before service began, Romans chapter 12. You know the scripture well. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. There's, there's that word again, by the mercies of God. <laughs> We're simply here by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. When I live a life that is in accordance with God's word, I'm living a life of faith. And I'm not living by faith every day if I'm not offering myself, my wants, my fleshly desires, my carnality, my goals and my dreams and my agenda, if I'm not offering that on, a sac on an altar of sacrifice each and every day, then I am not living a life of faith. If I'm just doing my own thing and, and expecting God to bless me anyway, I'm not living a life of faith. And, and when God comes back, he, I won't be going with him. But my way is the absolute wrong way. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. I know we don't like to hear this, folks, but I'm giving you the gospel. I, I, I've got nothing to gain from this I, 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 to, to preach the truth. I'm just telling you, I'm just a messenger of what God has given me. Roman, or, or Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 said, there is a way which seems right unto a man and there's a way where we can justify our actions. But the end thereof is death. We gotta be honest, folks. We gotta be honest with ourselves. It's a hard thing to do to be honest, but he said, those that worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. And if you're not being honest, you're not worshiping me. And if you're not being honest, you're not living for me. You don't love me and you don't have faith in me. If you're not willing at first to be honest, 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 God's way is perfect. My way is imperfect. One test of your faith is if you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter five, verse 32 Peter's talking, and right in the middle, he drops a little golden nugget. He said, the Holy Ghost is given to those who obey God. Acts 5.32, if you don't have the Holy Spirit today, I know that you love God, I know that you want to please God. Let me tell you what, 
That's God's plan for you. And he's, he gives it to those who obey him. If you want to obey God, he's got the Holy Ghost for you. And he wants to fill you with his power, and with his spirit. Amen. So that you're no longer trying to just do this alone and be a good moral person. That doesn't work. You got to have the spirit of God. And let me just touch on that for a minute. Acts chapter 10. We've got a great uh, example of a, of a good man who did everything just right. This man, he boy, he did it all. Maybe you're religious. Maybe, maybe you've grown up in church and maybe perhaps this is your first time in a, in a church like this and you're not really understanding what's going on. Let me tell you, let me tell you in Acts chapter 10, I'll give you an example of a man named Cornelius. This man did everything right. Verse number two said he was a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and he prayed to God always. I mean, there's not, you're not gonna find a better man than that. He feared God, he taught his whole house to fear God. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. He looked on him and said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and, and call for one whose surname is Peter. And he shall tell you what you ought to do, verse six. So this man had it all going. He lived a moral life. He feared God. He gave. He went to church. He did it all. But he didn't have the Holy Spirit. And so an angel of the Lord said, send men to the preacher. Get the preacher and bring him back. He's going to preach to your house. He's going to tell you what you must be do, what, what you must do to be saved. And in verse number 44 of the same chapter, the man of God comes back to the household of Cornelius and while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Verse number 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and prophesy and magnify God. And then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as, as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Amen. And so you may be living a good life and, and doing your best, but that's not good enough. But God has given the Holy Spirit to them that obey him. Amen. And that's his next step for you. If you've not received it, he wants to fill you this morning. And the evidence is that you'll speak a language that you've never learned. Nobody teaches you how to speak this language, but the Bible says that the Holy Ghost gives you help. He gives you the utterance. He gives you the words to say. That's God's plan for you. If you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, perhaps you were baptized as a baby, or perhaps you were baptized in the titles of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That, that's a good start, but you're not, you're not fully obeying the scripture and until you do it the way scripture says, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That is God's plan for you. If you're a guest today, I'd love to see you get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's God's perfect plan for you. Amen. And to receive the Holy Ghost requires faith. And to keep it requires faith. Having the Holy Ghost is faith. It's an example of faith. Why? Because the scripture says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have the substance of what we're hoping for, the eternal presence of God living inside of us, and we have the evidence of that substance. We have the evidence of things that we do not see. We can't see heaven, but the evidence is that we speak in a heavenly language. Amen? Having the Holy Ghost is an example of faith. And, and, and faith, what is faith? Why do we use that word? It, faith, all it is really is just trusting God. Trusting God. Faith is proving it. Not just saying I believe or I trust God, but proving it with my complete and total investment in his word and what he has told me to do. Amen, that's what faith is. And, and if I'm living by faith, and, I, and then it's time for me to just stop believing in God and start believing God. Would you put Galatians 2.16 up there? I don't know why I'm feeling what I'm feeling right now, but it's time for us to stop just saying, I believe in God. <laughs> the book of James tells us we're no better off than the devil because the devils even believe in one God. And they fear and they tremble. So I'm no better off than Satan himself if I just believe in God. But it takes more than just belief in God. The very belief in God requires something of me. Now I'm accountable. I must figure out what does God say? It's moving from a belief in him to actually believing him. 
Galatians 2.16. You have that, sis? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. We can follow the law to the nth degree. Don't kill, don't murder, don't lie, don't gossip, honor your parents, love God, love God put him first. We could do all of that, but a man is not justified according to the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That right there, I can't do it my way and expect to obtain my inheritance in heaven. It doesn't work that way. I must put my faith in Jesus Christ. I must have the faith of Christ. What is the faith of Christ? I must truly trust in what Christ says. That means I take him at his word fully, completely. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. I know I'm giving you a lot of uh, scripture. It says, thank you for following me. Her brother, I can't even see you. I can see a head of hair. That's about, thank you, sis. Sister Kylie, thank you. You're always on it. Matthew chapter six and verse number 19. Do we believe the word of God, folks? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, Jesus said, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He begins to talk about the eye and the heart. And I've preached that here before, how the eye and the heart are connected. We'll move on. Verse 25, take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor yet for your body, what clothes you're going to wear. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Why are you worried? We can't do anything when we borrow worry. And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, I clothe them, they, they're beautiful. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't take any thought saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or how shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the, the Gentiles seek, those that don't serve God. Those that don't, uh, that don't know God, that's what they look for. That's what the people out in the world are looking for, just a way to survive. That's why the economy is such a big issue. That's why the, the, the news is always going about the economy and the, and the president and our safety and security. Why? Because those that don't serve God or know God are putting their faith in a good economy, in a good, good system that the world can provide. But Jesus said, don't worry about any of that stuff, but put your faith and trust in me. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I'll take care of you if you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. And I believe there's an attitude, unfortunately, that is creeping into the church. And it's well-meaning people who, who tell our young people growing up, well, first focus on your education and first go to school and first get a degree and first get, put yourself into debt, million, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, and first figure out your career and first figure out your family and get everything settled. And then, you know, you'll have time for church. But can I tell you, it's a lie. It's a subtle lie of the enemy. No, that's not first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, God's not going to bless you if you do it your way. 
You're not going to obtain your inheritance if you do it your way. It'll rain on you, yes. You'll be, you'll be blessed because that's the way, that's the system that God set up. But it doesn't mean that the favor of God is upon your life or that God is smiling upon me when I choose to do it my way. Because really, when I do it my way, I'm no better off than Esau who cashed in for a bowl of beans and said, I, I, forget about my inheritance. Forget about all of that stuff. I don't care about that stuff. But, but what's in front of my face is what I'm most concerned with. Hear me, folks. The Spirit of the Lord is saying, wake up, my children. It's time in these last days to have a church that stands on the one true gospel message and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing else will do. And I know it goes against the grain of what our flesh believes, and it goes against everything that we've been trained as little kids. But hear me, education and all of that stuff is good in its proper place. And that's behind seeking first the kingdom of God. If God has called you to be a doctor or a lawyer, that's fantastic. But if you don't seek first the kingdom of God, you're out of order. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, he will set you up like nothing else ever will. He'll set you up more than the money in your bank account will set you up. He'll set you up more than you manipulating conversations and people will set you up. God will set you up. Nothing like living a life of faith and putting your trust in God and letting him have the controls. But Lord, please don't let me be guilty of saying this is God's will. And stamping God's will on something that secretly is not God's will at all. It's Joe's will. And nobody the wiser, you know? How can you argue with somebody that says this is God's will? I'm not going to argue with you. If you tell me it's God's will for your life, it doesn't really matter what I believe or what I think. If you say, assuredly, this is God's will for my life, nobody the wiser. But I may still be used of God. That doesn't mean that I have a lasting covenant relationship with God. It doesn't mean he's smiling upon me. There will be many in that day, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. There will be many in that day who say, but Lord, but Lord, standing before the throne of judgment saying, but Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name, in your name. That means Jesus' name people will be standing before him that day, acting bewildered and hurt. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I didn't know who you were. Because really, you were living a life that didn't have your complete and total investment in my word and my kingdom. It was secretly your own will. And you were stamping my approval on it. God, don't let it be said of me that I missed it, God. I missed it because I wasn't living a life of complete honesty. What am I doing this for? I want to live for God. I want to love God. I want to put my trust and faith in God alone. Jesus will look at them and say, yes, I used your knowledge of the word to transmit to somebody else's heart. Faith and expectation rose and, and they could claim whatever it was that they can I tell you what faith is? It's, faith is not in the moment you agreeing with a preacher. What I'm preaching right now, faith is not a yes and amen with your lips. It's a yes and amen with the way you live your life. Jesus is looking at faith. He said in Luke 18, 8, when the son of man comes back, will he find faith on the earth? That's what he's gonna be looking for. And faith is not, yes, I agree, preacher. But Monday through Friday, I'm just going to live how I want to live. Faith is a complete and total investment in the word of God. I see glaring back at me my mistakes in this mirror of the gospel. I see glaring back at me things that I need to shore up and it's time to take care of it right now, today, right now. Because faith is proven through a life of repentance and humility and saying, oh, my way's not the right way. Course correction. Time to turn. Perhaps for a guest. Perhaps for somebody who walks in off the street for the very first time, God honors their faith in a moment like that. Because you know why? Their faith is mixed with repentance. In that moment, they say yes and absolutely to the will of God. And God can heal their body. God can put their family back together. You see many of them filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because God honors baby faith, childlike faith. But for somebody like me and you, God doesn't honor that kind. But to whom much is given, much is is required. 
And so we wonder why sometimes we come in here and we can shout and say yes to the preacher and we can have a service where we're running the aisles. And we wonder why we don't see miracle signs and wonders. As Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Why aren't we seeing that? Are we truly believing? Are we truly living our life by faith? Or are we just going through the motions with our lips? He said, he said, your hearts are so far from me. You know how to play the right chords. You know how to strum the right songs, but, but your heart is so far from me. I don't want your sacrifice anymore. But God, didn't you tell us to set it up? But he said in Amos chapter five, take away from me the noise of your songs. I don't want that stuff. He said, you got it all wrong. It's just a formality to you. You know how to have church, but I really want your heart. Come on, I want that connection, that relationship that says what the word of God says. I'm running after it. I'm not secretly doing my own thing and stamping his approval on it. But God is looking for people of faith. that say yes and amen with the way that I live my life. You see, here's what happens. When you feel the spirit of God telling you to do something, many of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's in a service, or maybe it, perhaps it's something that the Lord has been tugging on you, been pulling on your heart to do. But you need to start a Bible study, or whatever the Lord's talking to you about. You need to give this up for me, whatever. Once we know that it's the Lord that's speaking to us, and we choose to say, you know what? Not right now. Maybe tomorrow. Immediately, we're not living by faith. It's a life of rebellion. And God cannot smile upon a life of rebellion. He can't do it. He's obligated. He's stuck. He must obey his own word. What he has said, he won't go back on it. I've not called you to a life of convenience, the Holy Spirit is telling us. But I have an inheritance for you. And it takes a complete abandonment of self to obtain it. Matthew chapter 16 Verse 24, Jesus said the first requirement of becoming a disciple. If any man shall come after me, let him first deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. He goes against everything that we've been trained. But Jesus said, for what is it profit? A man, if he gains the entire world but loses his own soul. It's not worth it. I have an inheritance that I want to obtain, and it can only come by living by faith. Can God trust you with the inheritance he's given you? Can God trust me? And some of us this morning, God's asking for that Isaac, for, the, for our Isaac that we don't want to give. He promised Abraham. Can you imagine? He promised Abraham, Isaac. You're going to have a son. You're going to be the father of many nations. And then finally, after years, it comes to pass. And he says, I want Isaac. Sacrifice Isaac on an altar. <laughs> Can you imagine the turmoil going on in Abraham's head? But the scripture said, nevertheless, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Oh, I'm sure he had doubts. I'm sure he had, I'm sure he had fears. I'm sure he was wondering what in the world is going on. But when Abraham heard God speak to him and said, I need Isaac, Abraham walked up that mountain. I'm sure he was paralyzed. I'm sure he was numb. I'm sure goosebumps. I, I, I'm sure I can you, I, I can't imagine what was going on in Abraham's head. Nevertheless, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Nevertheless, I don't know what you're telling me to do, but I'm walking. I'm just, I'm just walking. I don't see it. I don't know how you're going to do it. But I'm gonna, and, and at that moment of crisis, we always have an option, folks. We're either going to draw back into our comfort zone, the way that we've lived for God. God's calling the church deeper. I'm telling you, he's calling the spirit. The spirit is calling the church. In this hour, he's calling us deeper. Are you going to be my church? Are you going to live by faith? Are you going to do it your way? He's calling each and every one of us deeper. Maybe how he's calling you is different than how he's calling me. But there's no question about it, folks. Make no mistake, the Holy Spirit is drawing each and every individual right now in this hour. And God is requiring something of you that you don't want to give up. It's control. We want control. We want control. Because we feel in control when we have control. But never are we more out of control than when we're in control. You hear me? <laughs> never are we more out of control than when we're in control.
But if we just live by faith, you've got a heavenly father that's going to supply all your need. You got, he's got the hairs of your head numbered. A number 1,542 falls out. He knows. And at that point of crisis, Abraham could have said, ah, I can't do that. I can't. Or the scripture said he was coming down with a knife. Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. It was already in his mind at the critical intersection between faith and fear. Abraham chose faith. At the crossroads of control and complete surrender to God. Abraham chose surrender. And the scripture said, God said, don't lay your hand upon Isaac. Don't harm him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing that you will not even withhold your son, the thing that's the most closest, the most precious thing to you, you won't even withhold that from me. But just turn, Abraham, and you're going to find a substitute. When you give God what he's requiring, he's going to give you something so much better in return. Will I spend my inheritance? Will you spend your inheritance on earthly gain, worldly gain, fleshly gain? Will I spend it on pleasure today? Will I spend it on sex, hiding, cheating, lying, manipulating, carnality? Will I spend it on what my flesh wants? Or can God trust me to go all the way with a life of faith? Can we just lift up our hands right now in this moment? Say, God, I want to be trustworthy of the inheritance that I did not earn, but that you simply gave me because your mercy. I want to be faithful. God, when you come back, you're looking for somebody of faith. I want it to be said of me, I lived a life of complete abandonment of self. And I stepped all the way in to what the Holy Spirit had for me. And I was not, yes, there may be reservation and there may be fear, but when it's time to move, I am going to move whether I understand where I'm going or not. Like Abraham, I'm looking for a city whose builder and whose maker, whose founder is God. I'm not going to rely upon what my intellect says, God, because my ways are are, are so much lower than your ways, God. Your ways, Lord, are, are so much better and higher than my ways. You've heard the saying that God will, God will not do what you can do. How many have heard that saying? God will not do what you can do. And basically what that means is that you need to do what you can do and God will do the rest. But the Holy Ghost, I feel, gave me a different perspective about that saying. That God will not do what you can do. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, could it be in this hour... That's why I'm not doing much. It's because you can do it all. Could it be in this moment, in our westernized civilization, I'm not here to crack on all, I'm just saying, this is what we're dealing with, folks, okay? And we hear in other countries, we hear miracles, signs, and wonders. We hear limbs growing back. We hear thousands upon thousands receiving the Holy Ghost. We, We hear all of that. We don't see that in our country. Maybe a healing here, a Holy Ghost infilling there but we don't see it like we hear about it. Why aren't we hearing about, Why aren't we seeing it like we're hearing about it? And I felt the Holy Ghost say, because you can do it all. In order, to, in order for God to work a miracle, there first needs to be a need, <laughs> something that only God can do. And God says, I can't step into your situation. When, you know, when you're lonely, you just get into a relationship. It's easy as that. And I'm replaced. When you need something, well, you just more money is the answer. And so I'll, I'll ask for a job or ask for a raise. And if I don't get a raise, then I'll just look for another job. And I'm constantly seeking all other options. And I'm replacing God for a little temporary momentary satisfaction when God's got so much bigger and better. 
In that moment, I feel like I need God to move right now. I've got this need right this moment. If God doesn't move, I'm going to step in and take control. And immediately when I step in and take control, I'm settling for second best. When I could just wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And if I just wait and I say, but God, first, what do you desire? What do you want to do? God desires to step on in and work a miracle that's going to blow your mind. But too often, I'm too impatient to wait on God. And instead of living a life of faith, I'm living a life that meets my needs and expectations right now. And I'm cashing in my inheritance for a little right now, for a little right now. I want to obtain his inheritance, don't you? Amen. I, I, I want to be worthy of the inheritance. Matthew 13, 58, Jesus didn't, he couldn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. God will respect my will and God will respect my choice. Your will this morning is stronger than the will of God because God will not, he will not force himself upon you. You have the option today whether you're going to love God and serve God or whether you're going to continue to live life your own way. You got that option. You got that right. Why? Because love gives you that opportunity. True love doesn't force you. It doesn't twist your arm. True love just sets before you an open door and it's up to you whether or not you want to walk through it. But the Holy Spirit is here to say, if you put your trust in me, I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I'll take care of your every need and you will be the most effective, most powerful vessel on this earth in these last days. You, the church, not this building, but you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. How can I be the temple of the Holy Ghost if I'm not being led by the Spirit? How can I be the temple that houses God's Spirit if I'm not being led by the Spirit? It's impossible. How can I be the temple of the Holy Ghost if I don't have the Holy Spirit inside of me? If you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's God's plan for you today. Would you stand? Stand with me today. To receive the Holy Ghost requires faith, and to keep the Holy Ghost requires faith. Hear me, if I'm intent, if I'm intent on being lost, if I'm intent on just doing my own thing, I'm going to have to fight extremely hard against the love of God. <laughs> if I choose to do my own thing, God's still going to chase me with his love. And I'm going to have to fight really hard against the love of God. How about we just stop pushing back against what the Spirit is saying? And how about we just lift up our hands in complete surrender and say, yes. Finally, once and for all, yes. To your will, God, to your plan. I want to be everything that you've called me to be. I don't want to settle for second best. I want to be everything that you have called me to be. I want everything that you have planned for me. And God, the sooner I live by faith, the sooner I'll begin to see, the sooner I'll begin to realize your perfect plan coming to pass in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Can you entertain God in the presence of the Lord right now? Say, Lord, I choose to be a man. I choose to be a woman of faith. I choose to be a young person of faith. I choose to trust your word even when I don't see it, even when I can't feel it, God. I choose to know. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.